Evita, beware your ambition. It is hungry and cold, can't be controlled, it is wild. Da 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 Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm Sarah Watt. And I'm William Chan. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. This month we are discussing Hamilton, the live filmed version of the original production from 2016, but it was released on Disney Plus in 2020. And... Evita, which came out in 1996, and the connection being that they are both musical films about a significant historical figure. I'm going to hand it over to William to give us an introduction to one of the films. William. All right. Thank you, Jeremy. I think the films have so much connective tissue. I'm I'm actually going to say something I wrote down uh, that links to both of them, which which is that I guess Evita and Hamilton are both films or musicals that really are rags to riches rock operas about a young social climate in a time of political unrest. With nothing but the clothes on their back, their raw ambition allows them to ascend the ranks amongst the growth pains of a nascent nation before tragically having their life cut cruelly short. Um, Tales old as time, and it, it's really cool to see Hamilton reflect Evita in so many ways. Uh, but I also have other things to say about Evita. Um, just because it is one of my favorite shows of all time, and thank you very much for doing this podcast with me, guys. Um, of course, Evita was, I mean, it started life as a, uh, I think, concept album in 1976 from the great Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice, the height of their 70s powers. Um, from that, it became a West End production, and then a Broadway show, then, you know, the world. Um, and it's, it's about the life of Eva Perón, uh, ne Eva Duarte, who was the first lady of Argentina during the Peronist regime, and basically how she came from nothing and turned into one of the most, I guess, polarizing polit- political figures of her time. Excellent. And, and of course, our other film, Hamilton, if I can jump in and give us a brief summary of, of Hamilton, is from Lin-Manuel Miranda, which uh, he's, a, I guess, up and coming is perhaps a bit of an understatement because he has been on the scene for over a decade now. Uh, but he started within the Heights, um, which won the Tony for Best Musical, and then he spent was it seven years, mm-hmm. seven years writing Hamilton, uh, based on an autobiography that uh, he he kind of discovered this founding father of the United States of America, founding father in quotations, um, and how he was sort of the unsung hero of their colonial history, uh, and so the show follows his like William said, rags to riches tale, and uh, how he developed effectively the what the treasury of, yeah. of the united states of the, America. the whole fiscal system and then was um very uh, sadly and stupidly slaughtered by aaron burr in, the, in, a, in a duel which i'm sure we'll get to soon and that is not a spoiler because you find that out at the very start of the show um as you do damn fool as you who do, shot him as you do with Evita. as you do with Evita, yeah. <laughs> yeah so um this is your spoiler warning we will be talking about both uh texts i guess we should say because they have they sort of traverse the stage and film in both cases, but both of them we will be talking about in great detail and with spoilers. Uh, so if you haven't watched either, I would suggest pausing this episode and coming back because there are some, even though you do know the ending, there are some nice surprises in each text that I wouldn't want you to be spoiled out. Cool. Let's jump into it. Which text would we, would we like to start with? Um... Is it okay if I say a limerick, you guys? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jump right in. <laughs> okay. Um, so here we go. This is about Evita. Um, I wrote this after re-watching the film because I have strong feelings about this film. Right, here we go. <clears throat> For a 70s rock opera hit, this adaptation's pretty legit. Its scale is immense and the changes make sense. It's just a pity Madonna's so shit. <gasps> oh! Well, that's where we start, ladies and gentlemen. Back in 1996, Our Lady Madonna, Madonna Louise uh, Ciccone, um, 
was actually a legend in most of our lifetimes. Uh, and I say this as the person around the table who was um, Madonna's Like a Prayer, no, no, Madonna's Like a Virgin album in 1985 is literally seminal for me because it was just as I was in <laughs> relatively young and, and getting into pop music and it was huge. So to see her in 96, performing in a film where actually I think she does a pretty bloody good job compared with all the films, Desperately Seeking Susan notwithstanding, because that was her playing her and she was amazing and she always will be. But as we know, Madonna has a lot of uh, film um, raspberries uh, under her belt. Evita, I know that we'll discuss the goods and the bads of this, but I actually think for the most part, she did an absolutely terrific Ooh. job. I really do. And we've watched the, the Patti LuPone takedown of, uh, of Madonna in that Movie role. killer. Mo yeah. And look, to be fair, I do not think that Madonna is the strongest singer, period. And I don't think she's the greatest actor, dancer, any of those things at all. But I really watched her acting in Evita. And I feel as though she was working so hard and she really, I think, nailed the, the nature of Ava Perron really well. Mm -hmm. And the, I can't always say that about Madonna with her acting. Um, so no, I don't think that oh. she was um, the S-H-I-T word. <laughs> Not entirely. And then we'll get on to Lin-Manuel, shall we? <laughs> so there you go. Next. Well, I'm, I'm a, I've been a fan of Madonna since Ray of Light. I think I was probably Rum 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 at that time when that album came out. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a bit of a cultural moment i remember when that it was after she'd done a pizza and she sort of came back with this kabbalah-esque um you know album that actually got her inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame and uh and then years later sort of investigated into some of her back catalog and looking at her pop hits and how she was such a huge shifter and shaker mover and shaker and just really changed up the game and i was thinking about it last night watching some of her music her more raunchier music videos from just before Vita, and um she was doing things around sex and sexuality that was very bold. Totally groundbreaking. Which now, it's really sad because the whole system has sort of commodified that and then it's this other flip of expecting young women to be overly sexualized. I mean, that's not to say it wasn't always sexualized, but the way that Madonna dealt with sex in her, in her, in her journey is, is very interesting, mm. which I think is a, there's mm. many connections to Eva Peron and Eva mm. Duarte mm. and um, Madonna herself. Um, I've seen Madonna live. I saw her live in Auckland when she came here in 2016, I think. Mm. Um, and her voice was far more impressive live than I expected it to be. She sang um, La Vie en Rose with a ukulele in the centre of the, the wow. Spark Arena. Oh, that's impressive. It was amazing. Yeah. I was quite blown away. But I agree that I, I think I sit somewhere between probably the two of you. So I think her presence on the screen, she looks like Eva Peron. Mm -hmm. um, Especially I, when they have the, the painted backdrops. Yeah. And it's it's kind of a mix between the real Eva and Madonna. It yeah. looks really good. Yeah. And I did love the vulnerability in her face when yeah. she looks at Juan Perón. You think she's not a social climber. Mm. Tell me his name is Juan. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. She's not a social climbing so-and-so that they paint her to be in some of those incredibly misogynistic songs. Mm. But that actually she... I, I don't know. I really enjoyed watching Madonna play somebody who was not a superstar. Mm. Do you know what I mean? In the le in those early years of Ava Perron's life, obviously, she isn't this superstar. And so to watch Madonna, who at that time in her life absolutely categorically was a superstar, play somebody convincingly who isn't. Do you get what I mean? Absolutely. Well, we talked about... Sarah and I had a brief chat yesterday about the Star is Born connection mm -hmm. with effectively Lady Gaga playing a version of herself, kind of becoming and a star. And she nails it. I mean, look, if we're going to get into that, we're going to need two double double podcasts <laughs> because she's <laughs> extraordinary. And But exactly the same. Um, Stephanie Germanotta, is that her name? She actually plays it. You can see the real, genuine rags to riches girl coming up. Mm. So you don't think, oh, I'm watching Lady Gaga slumming it, you mm. know. But um, I, that's what I thought was wonderful about Madonna in this. Sorry, I but I think you. like, and I, I think like, if I look at the Patti Lapone presentation, I mean, this the show is so cynical. It's really cynical, and I think probably rightfully so. But I don't know too much of the history, but from what I understand of what's going on, you know, it's it's there's a, there's a cynicism about the whole shebang. Um, but I think she brings a level of respect to her as a human that is not present in Patti Lapone's performance. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's okay as a different interpretation. But her singing is 
and I quite like Madonna's voice on her pop albums. Her singing is leaves a lot to be desired yes, in a lot of places, and it's a real shame that like we, we were sharing Paddy Lapone clips last night, and just like just like that Buenos Aires song, and just the the power with which she just yeah. captures that whole thing. But I tell you, um, look, I'm so sorry. There's so much to talk about here. Here's the thing that's interesting to me. The big difference between Hamilton and anything that Patti Lapone is doing on stage versus a filmed version of Evita is, of course, one is a film and one is a stage show that is filmed. Mm -hmm. And therefore, um, Madonna could not have gone on screen and sung her guts out like there's no business. You know, you wouldn't get away with that without it looking absurd. So she oh, has I, to. I don't, I don't think that's... 100% true. Give me an example. Uh, Fill on the Roof, where they, it's very, you know, realistic. The, the whole production, you know, Norman Jensen makes Fill on the Roof, the movie, look as realistic as humanly possible. Mm. And yet Topo and everyone else is properly Broadway singing. No, 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 yes. Um, and, I mean, Antonio, I know they are Antonio properly Banderas. Broadway singers. Yeah. I get, yeah. And, 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 yeah Antonio, Antonio Banderas and Evita is doing that. You know, yeah. there's a strength of voice there, but a reality and... And Madonna, she nails it in certain parts, but like a lot of parts, she 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 just can't handle some of the. Oh, I'm the not going to defend her slightly reedy voice. Look, no, you're totally right there. You're totally right. But I guess all I'm saying in her defence against Patti Lapone is, Patti Lapone would have like we would have been writing in reviews she's scenery chewing and things like that if she had performed in a stage way oh, in a yeah, film sure, version. Sure. That's what I mean. I don't think yeah. Patti Lapone would have been right for the for the no. film. Did no. you know that she was offered the role of her mother? Of Evita's mother. What a slap in the face! Oh, I know. <laughs> so forget about it. Because they, they wanted Elaine Page for the longest time. I mean, because this production has been through development hell and back. Wait, Since the, 1977. The film, the film yeah. Right. 1977. Because Alan Parker was attached at the beginning and then switched to Oliver Stone. Mm. There, there was a big falling out with the script and Alan Parker came back. And Madonna apparently wanted the role back in 86. Mm. Um, and was only in 96 that they, they actually got to film it and mm. became a reality. And wrote a letter, apparently, saying, yeah. this is why I would be right for this role. I think she was right for the role so in I. terms of her um, cultural significance and how it brings, you know, the this, this, this cynicism um, and the... Oh, no, it's not just cynicism. The the complexity with which um, Eva is kind of dealing with fame and also yes. what she believes to be doing is right is effectively Madonna, right? And she, the Madonna criticism. has all these the she has all these kind of ideas and she is doing amazing things with different parts of the world. But equally, mm -hmm. she's we we've seen her rise to power and what she's had what she's done to get there. And mm -hmm. you know, it's very similar to well, Eva's and also journey. That quite disparaging song that's really awesome as well with the whole and I can't get the words in the right um, order, but. You know, image, makeup, yeah. diamonds, that's yeah. right, Kristen Dior, me, and all that business. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. Madonna, as we know, I mean, she was massive for us growing up because she was the first person, pre-Gaga, obviously, who had really demonstrated this idea of, okay, this is my um, impersonation right now, and in a couple of years' time, I'm going to release something new, and I'm going to have dark hair, and I'm going to be all like this, you know. And, and that was huge so yes enormous crossovers plus the whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps you know mm -hmm. she grew up in michigan she grew up in the outskirts of detroit took herself to new york she lost her mother as, as a five-year-old she did to, to cancer very similar to her losing her father and but also very similar to a i was i've been thinking you know if i mm. ever got a chance to interview madonna would i would i bring up the I mean, I'm sure people have, and I could just read it on the internet, but... Um, the connection. The connection between her losing her mum. Her mother was about 30 when she died of cancer, mm. and Ava Perron dies of cancer at 33. Mm. Um, so that will have been resonant and painful. Plus, she was pregnant with her first daughter. Yeah. Um, well, um, that scene where she, her and um, Juan, uh, he's telling her that she's dying. They, mm. they, couldn't, uh, they couldn't film that with the backing track because they kept Jonathan Price and... Madonna kept breaking down, mm. and so they had to just record the audio on on set. Who would? What a what a revolution, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're thinking forward to Tom Hooper and Les Miserables. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, those scenes. There's the another one. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. No, wait, they didn't sing live in Cats. Yes, they did. They did. They did. It's so stupid. Well, they... Let's cover everyone in CGI fur, but let's yeah. make it real by singing live. Oh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know that I... Anyway, let's uh, move I, on, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I've now seen Cats four times. Oh, William. Um, I, was I showed my niece it and nephew. It is my jam. <laughs> oh, my God. I showed my niece and nephew the other day, and they were like, what the 
that. Guys, sure. can we back out of that? So I want to talk about proper... Angelo Weber. Proper musicals. Yeah, I, 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 just a very quick diversion before we come back. Like, Lloyd, Lloyd Webber musicals do not translate well to film generally. I mean, Cats is an abomination. Um, have you guys seen the adaptation of Jesus Christ Superstar? Once no. upon a time, I would have. But it is um, the world's worst movie. Mm. I, I would say it might be worse than Cats. Mm. But it's because it's, I'm not actually a huge fan of Angela Weaver as a as a as a show as an impresario. creator. I love his music. I love his music in terms of his songs. But even Evita, the way it jumps around tunes, yeah. is very jarring. And even I've done, I did Sunset Boulevard um, a couple of years ago, which was a wonderful show, but. Again, it just jumps around, and I, I just the structure of Sunset Boulevard obviously would work better on a film because it originally was a film. Mm-hmm. But even Evita, like the structures, once she sings "Don't Cry for Me," the film is just a bunch of montages. Yeah. A great scene with her and Antonio dancing in a dream sequence, and then she dies. Yeah, but like, it's beautiful. Yeah, and, like it's captivating. I had seen it, I think, the once in '96. I bet you a million dollars I came out of I think Hoyt's Wire Park, <laughs> going, "Oh my god, that was amazing! I'm totally going to see that again." And I don't remember that I did. Years have passed. How many? Twenty-three years have passed, and all of a sudden, William says we need to rewatch Evita, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, do we?" Flipping it, I could not put it down. And I, I, I do think, um, to both your points, that the the movie version of Evita, I, I think, does fix some of the problems with the musical. Um, how they juxtapose some of the songs. They, they changed um, Another Suitcase in Another Hall, which is supposed to be sung by Perron's mistress, uh, into an Eva song and bring it much earlier, which makes much more sense, which mm. is more vulnerable. Um, and also they bring back um, The Lady's Got Potential and kind of redo the, the lyrics so that it's a, it's a summary of Perron's rise to power instead of just Eva's. Mm. Um, and that's a song that, you know, for the longest time had just been excised from the musical. The, you know, The Lady's Got Potential, da-da-da-da-da-da. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I think the film overall works much better as a story than the musical does. Mm. Cool. I, I loved the first... Don't get me wrong. I loved... I'm re-watching it. I was like, oh, I'll put this on. I'll probably turn it off. Mm. And I couldn't, couldn't, turn, couldn't it turn it off. Yeah. It was really compelling and beautifully, beautifully filmed. <laughs> That's what I think worked And you, And so you're talking about the favor. extras, William. That mm-hmm. opening funeral <laughs> scene is mm. phenomenal. Can we talk about that smash cut that... Where, where it goes from a very tinny, like, funeral orchestra and you see this tiny little country country funeral... And then the, the little girl, you know, Eva is, is screaming and crying. And then the music swells and then it just smash cuts to this this grandiose, what was it, 4,000 extras in Budapest, like state funeral, mm. people weeping, flowers falling mm. from mm. trees, like, oh my mm. gosh, mm. this is... This is amazing yeah. stuff. And, and it we, wouldn't have been CGI extras. No, no, no. And we talked about the connections to... On, we were talking in our chat about the connections to God, the Godfather films. Mm. And it is... It is pulling directly from Godfather, like like Godfather Two, which which I know William is still on your list. <laughs> but so you, you've got to watch it because there is those silhouette shots. There's the I mean Godfather One and Sicily and things, but then there's the big the big the big street scenes in Godfather Two. Mm. I, I like the funeral scenes. Mm. It's just phenomenal. I loved how um, this is a very small point, but I did love how they fo- they foreshadow Ava's death. I think it does give it that wonderful power and resonance that you know. Um, while you're watching that this isn't going to end well. It wouldn't have worked. Mm. Um, maybe I should write to Andrew Lloyd Webber and say, well done. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't have worked if you had just led us through chronologically and then made her die at the end. Mm. It would have seemed ridiculous. So it was actually really, really poignant and wonderful, particularly while you're watching Shay, mm. um, Antonio Banderas, slagging her off the whole time mm. and thinking, well, I think you might need to start being a little bit nice to her because you don't understand. She's very unwell. Yeah. You know, there was a part of me that felt very defensive well let's talk about let's move and talk about Hamilton because that show also starts off with a series of foreshadows about what's going to happen not just I'm the I'm the damn fool that shot him mm-hmm. but also the three women I loved him you know the two the two friends and then later rivals we I, we fought with him mm-hmm. um, which is a great pun I love that pun so so <laughs> clever um, and then yeah I died for him which was his, his friend and son but then, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Because, I mean, I've got another thing to say about the ending in, in that mm-hmm. space. But that, that doesn't really, I think. How many times, I think we all need to know, how many times have you watched the film Hamilton? I've only watched it once and I started watching it again and I had to turn it off because I got 
some people came home. But you listened to the soundtrack since the beginning, yeah? So you're very au fait with the music and the story? I've listened to it a little bit, and I, and I couldn't pick up the story, so I stopped listening. And mm. then I was able to watch it for the first time when it came out a few weeks ago oh. with my sister. Mm. And we both were a, a, a blubbering mess by the end of the film. So the story really fell into place for you watching the musical? Yeah. Okay. William, what did you know about Hamilton before um, this? I think I told you guys before, uh, basically, I I love musicals. Mm. Um, but I've been burnt on musicals before. Uh, so, sorry audience, uh, this is a brief piece of my life history. Mm. When I used to be a librarian at Auckland Central Library, the one of the great perks is free CD rentals. Mm. And so I would rent every single musical I could get and then listen to them on my drive to and from my field site when I was doing research um, and oftentimes I would find stuff I really liked and stuff I didn't and stuff I really really liked stuff like Avenue Q you know I, I could recite every single mm. piece of that soundtrack um, so when Avenue Q finally came to Auckland I went with 10 friends I was super excited uh, organized the tickets and ended up being really deflated because I had known every single beat mm. and it just wasn't the same as watching it live. So I thought with shows like, with big shows like Book of Mormon and Hamilton, I would not do that. And I would just stay clear of all spoilers, mm. all music until I actually got to see it live. Um, unfortunately, Book of Mormon, which I had tickets for, was cancelled this year because mm. of COVID. Uh, it shall never be. So you're still none the wiser about Mormon yet. No, yeah. no. Um, but Hamilton, uh, this is my first time listening to the music and watching it, um, which, you know, is the next best thing. So out of interest, at the very beginning then, because Jeremy said that there was that foreshadowing at the beginning, did you pick up, you probably did because you listen real hard and I do not, but okay, I'm just asking, did you pick up that, okay, three women, da-da-da, going to be killed, da-da-da, did you get all that? Uh, yeah, basically, because I, I knew, obviously, a lot of, uh, before the Hamilton musical came out, a lot of the things that people knew about Alexander Hamilton was that he died in a duel, right? Okay. So I knew that was going to happen. Because I knew nothing. Like, my American right. husband said, oh, he's on, is it the $10 bill? Right? Um, Which, by the way, they were in, a, in the process of changing, and then the musical came out, and it became a smash hit. Oh. Like, oh, maybe we'll leave Hamilton on the $10 <laughs> Might bill. Might as well. So really, I knew nothing, right? And I know mm -hmm. very little about it. I've heard of some of the founding fathers, but I know, I, I don't know my American history. And so I knew nothing. I hadn't listened to a single song. Um... I don't even know, now I don't even know what I thought it was about, to be honest with you. Did I think it was about slavery? I think I probably did. Just go, oh yeah, it's probably about I slavery. thought it was. I, th I mean, we had a discussion on our chat about pairing it with films or musicals, and, and William was indignant. And, <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so we... We re backtracked on that. <laughs> so, so, so I went into it completely, completely clean, if you will. Um, and only and as it as it materialized, it was like, oh my goodness, multi-genre songs, which is interesting to me. And um, what's with the casting? Is that going to be relevant? That I then read up on, and we've talked briefly, haven't we, before this about falling into a Wikipedia wormhole, <laughs> um, researching various things. I mean, oh my goodness, have I been now read reading up on controversy around the story, um, the the casting, the the multiracial casting, the white story. Don't even get me started on the Bechdel test, which I haven't read up on, but I could already say it fails. So. Um, <laughs> So, and all that. Uh, is so there interesting. Bechdel, is there a Bechdel test for uh, for stage productions? Yeah. Does that work? What do you mean, why? Because you have, like, just one-man shows and... Uh, doesn't... Oh, anyway. No, but, I mean, you're still going to possibly have two named female characters talking to one another about someone so. who's not Alexander frickin' Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't catch it. But anyway, for me, my goodness, I had to work really hard. Mm -hmm. And then when I got tired and didn't work hard, I, I knew that I wasn't absorbing a lot of that historical information. Just being honest, in case there are listeners out there who are going, me too. Yay. <laughs> well, Sarah. I describe it like whenever I advise people who have never engaged with Shakespeare before, I would say, just let the words wash over oh. you. Don't be too concerned with picking everything up. Just let the words wash over you. You'll pick up details, and then if you enjoy it, then you can always go back. And I feel the same thing with Hamilton. I just let the words wash over me, and I could pick up the bits and pieces. And then as each time I've gone back and listened, it's so packed. It's like, oh, there's another little idea in there that I missed. Yeah, but can I... The, the difference with Shakespeare, right, is that Shakespearean actors acted out the things that they were saying. So if they were making some rude joke about, you know, nobbing someone, excuse me, am I allowed to use that? Do you want me to well, use we've it? already sworn in this episode. <laughs> I think we have to mark it as explicit, so you know, <laughs> we can say what we like. Then you know, the, the, 
there'd be a hip thrust or something like that. There yeah. was not in Hamilton. Nobody was actually, no one was going, I'm going to, um, you know, what's the oh, word? Well, what I'm going to. Was? I, I mean, there, the whole thing was acted. I thought the whole yeah. thing had scenery and, and there was it was acting and there was, well, I mean, let's no, talk I about. They're not acting out the phrases that they're using. They're uh, saying I, the I clever words. So, sometimes they are, yeah. definitely. Oh, okay. But especially with something more, you know, um, acting. Acting, acting, um, from like David Diggs, who I have over here and I've underlined now twice. Like, he acts his heart out. Yes, Which character that guy? Is he? So he plays um, uh, the uh, Marquis de Lafayette and then oh. Jefferson. Yes. He's Holy so moly. Great. So great. Okay, all right. In terms of acting, can we just talk about the, the uh, ensemble uh, member? Um, and I read an article about her online, how she is always connected with death in the show. And she's the one that acts the bullet. Oh. She, right. has this, she has the bullet that she holds between her two fingers. Yeah. Um, I mean, that whole sequence was just blew so my cool. mind. At the very, it was the very end of the show, I thought. Yeah. She, she does it a couple of times, doesn't she? And the kind of monologuing while she's... And mm-hmm. everybody's rotating and everything's moving slowly. And Can, can we go back to the Shakespeare uh, sure. connection? Yeah. Uh, I, Shakespeare, thank you so much for both of you bringing up Shakespeare. Because I, I thought about Shakespeare so much while I was watching Hamilton. Um, it's, it's basically... Well, maybe I'm going way too off base with this. Do you guys think this is the closest we'll ever get to feeling as if we were in Elizabeth, Elizabethan England watching one of Shakespeare's shows mm. live? I feel like that. Why? Why? It's or one of his histories, at least, right? It's taking something that not too many people are familiar with, mm. yeah, using a very contemporary tone and style and way of talking, the vernacular, um, the the colloquialisms, the the, the, the sex jokes, the in jokes. Mm. He's got his, his same actors that keep coming that, back. That's right. The, the different Anthony actors Ramos different roles. And, but I mean, um, in terms of like Anthony Ramos and the, the guys that he has, like his stock actors that have been coming back. Oh right, yeah, of course, of yeah. course. Mm. Um, and then, of course, you know, telling a story using all of that stuff to make it relevant to the audience that he's, you know, giving it to. Mm, that's very. I feel very point. strongly. I keep. Coming, I, I've made my connections to. Um, Lin Manuel Miranda, in terms of his work, is both Shakespeare and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Like mm. those are the two people that I think when I think about what he's doing. Of course, in his own brand new way, but the way that he's packing those words in, he's creating new things as well. Like just the the cleverness of using different rap styles to articulate the different characters. So at yeah. the start, you've got um, uh, Lafayette and uh, the Anthony Ramos character, L- uh, L- Lawrence, Lawrence and. Mm, there's one of the two M's because yeah. he plays both of the M characters. <laughs> um, Mulligan? No. Yes, Mal- uh, no, Hercules. I, I, Her- yeah, Hercules Mulligan. This is the first one. Eh? Yeah. Those three guys, and they're using like a, the, the older style rap, and then Hamilton comes in with the late '90s kind of mm. like much faster. Mm-hmm, and I'm mm-hmm. just like, I wouldn't have never have known that, but it, yeah. but you get it intrinsically from watching it. Like, mm-hmm. there's a difference here, or the incredible scene where the. Um, the messenger from from the UK is is doing that, that that kind of very regal song, and then he comes in with the much faster rap, and then each of the words are, are hitting at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just really cool. <laughs> it is an incredibly, incredibly written piece, incredibly, it's... and I guess Shakespearean in that regard, right? Mm-hmm. Because he is not just writing a play. There's nothing just about a play, don't get me wrong. But what I mean is, the fact is, the rhyming and the meter and everything yeah. is extraordinary. And it's, it's so dense. It's so uh, dense. I, I looked it up. I, I think, on average, it's 144 words per minute, mm. which is fast that I can type. Like that's And it's every minute of the, yeah. what is it, two hours, 20 it's or just, whatever. You, yeah. It's 30, 35 songs. They I are think? talking, or yeah. they're making words the whole time. Yeah, and there's like the layering of multiple people. Yeah. Like, no wonder it took him seven years to write. Exactly. But we, we, I talked to Sarah a couple of weeks ago um, when we had first come out on Disney+, and just saying that Lin-Manuel Miranda talks about the West Wing as being an influence and seeing Aaron Sorkin on the, the walk and talk and my, my gosh, there's so much information and it gave him confidence to be like, I actually think I can do this in the way that I want to do this and hope that, and just and know the audience can, will keep up with it. Absolutely. Um, you were saying something before our podcast, William, about, and I think I projected into it, that it was something about finding it tiring. Is yes, that yes. Uh, yeah, we, we, uh, before before we were recording, um, I was talking to Sarah about finding it you know fascinating and just a wonderful show but really exhausting yeah and it really I, I watched the whole thing with subtitles on um i i wanted to get as much of it as i could and it's such a joyous experience but i finished watching going 
Ooh, I am yeah. not going to watch this again for a while. Yeah, mm. and that's the interesting thing, right? Compared, perhaps, I mean, you, you, William, certainly will know better than I, but compared with the traditional sort of musical structure, mm. compared with Evita, where yeah. the songs are, I'm going to sing the same line over and over and intersperse it with a little bit of um, verse, but otherwise it's chorus, chorus. This is not like that. This mm. is you are listening the whole time. There's a lot of narration, which I'm ambivalent about, you know, whether... It's interesting or not to go, and then he did this and walked over to that, and then he, he stole those cannons. and he did blah blah blah. But it's like, yeah, you you know, you started, so you might as well finish. Um, but you're absolutely right. the The intensity with which you have to listen is like watching a foreign film, um, isn't it? Though, and it's like you really, really want to, and you want to get everything out of it because it's stimulating. Mm. And and Evita is a lot less trouble than that. It's, mm. There's a lot of clever stuff. I noted down that, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber can, can do a, a bit of a pun. You know, they're not a good state for a state to be in. <laughs> Isn't and that he, Tim Rice? Oh, that's Tim Rice. Oh, you know, Tim. Uh, sorry, Tim. But do you know what I mean? Like, there's an, an, another... Oh, sorry. Go for it, Sarah. Oh, no, no. I was going to say, in the other one, it's our funeral too. Ah. It's like, well, yeah, it's an interesting pun because it's like, well, it's your funeral and it's our funeral and, you know. M- my favourite wordplay in the Vita is, if you wish to cause great distress in the tidiest officer's mess. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's wonderfully well done. And mm. he does do the... It's not on Jean Mont, I can't remember, but he does do, Tim Rice does the hanging kind of, I'll give you the rhyme in the halfway through the next line, yeah, and that does. sort of thing, in the way that Miranda does. Yeah. But you're right. Oh my gosh, it's I, so tiring. What I love, one of the things I, what I was alluding to before is that, um, you know, so Evita, and I love Evita, and this is not a dig at Evita, but it's, you know, the, the death that start is alluded to, and then it's the end, it's the death, and... What I what completely took me by surprise, and I alluded this to this the other day, Sarah, when I was talking to you about the show, is... Um, it ends with his death, but the ending is really about you know, his wife. About his wife. Wait, and wait, it, who? You're talking about Hamilton, Hamilton now. Mm-hmm. It's like it's about his death, but ultimately the show ends and is punctuated by this is a, actually Eliza's story. Even though she's telling Hamilton's story, it was her mm-hmm. that spent the next fifty years as a springboard of what he established and doing what I mean that just broke my heart and the scene where they're with, you know it's a quiet uptown and she finds forgiveness I mean my sister and I were just a mess at that point mm. we're a mess with the son dying and then we're a mess with, when, with her forgiving her husband and then then to take that and, and tell a story it just it just broke my heart and then the final moment was just her grief cry it's almost like um, as a mother courage is Mother Courage the one that ends with the silent scream? Do you know the play Mother Courage? No. She, it's, it's a play, I'm pretty sure it's Mother Courage. She, it's a, a classic play and she... Um, is it Epsom? Oh, gosh. Here's my theatre degree putting being put to test. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, Mother Courage and she loses all of her children and the final moment is her doing a silent scream of grief and it just breaks the audience's heart because you don't need to hear anything. Mm. And it was the same thing for me with Eliza and she just... She's done all this amazing stuff. She's just told us how amazing it is. Yeah. But she's still broken mm. by the death of her husband and her son, yeah. um, which just floored me. And that was a, it was like, a, not, I don't want to call it a twist, but it was, a, Unexpected, a, it was yeah. a great way to cap the show with, when I was like, I know the ending, you know? Interesting that you preface this whole podcast with it's being musicals about historical figures, because we're looking at Ava as the historical figure. But technically in both scenarios, you've got powerful men with very strong women behind them who are saying... Uh, I mean, it's actually kind of beautiful and absolutely not feminist at all. Um, Every time Eva Perron says, um, I am here in the service of Perron because he is going to serve. I mean, it's brilliant politically Mm -hmm. to say, look, guys, this isn't about me. I'm serving him so that he can serve you. Believe me, trust me, love me. And you're like, yeah, man, I will. You sound really compelling. This isn't about you at all. Do you know what I mean? But anyway, um, yes, the, the, the enormous effect that Eva had on his political career and so same goes mm, mm. And then, I mean I, you, you allude to the Bechdel test not being passed and I fully agree with you because they do talk about him the whole time but Angelica and Eliza Eliza completely blindsided me because I thought she was just going to be a nothing character yeah. mm. and then she becomes for me the most interesting character in the whole show but until that point Angelica is a really fascinating character mm. as well and the, the complication I mean my favourite moment of the show is the rewind scene oh. and oh, Satisfied actually me too. Satisfied is the best song really? the, the stagecraft of that scene it, is so cool that is so interesting you say that because that is the one scene apart from the bullet maybe that really mm. struck me because 
otherwise, for me, Hamilton felt a lot like people running on, people mm. running off, people running on, just to make it busy. busy Ensembles just in the background. Exactly. People standing there yeah. singing at each other. Da, 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 da. History, 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 history. <laughs> so much history. People in their, you know, Elizabethan or Victorian, whatever, underwear running around the background. <laughs> Georgian. Yeah. Background, you know. True. <laughs> but then all of a sudden they do that. And I was like, yeah. holy mackerel, that really works. That mm. is incredibly stimulating and interesting from mm. a theatre from a yeah a, a dramatic point I, of view. I just imagine watching that moment live mm. yeah like whoa and wanting to rewind it yeah to watch well, it again I, well because I, I didn't know that was coming and i was watching the um i was watching the it just felt like such a, a strong refrain the satisfied i was like is this just going to be for a speech like that doesn't feel like you know there's this is such a beautiful melody yeah. and then also the moments felt very poignant when she was introducing him to eliza and i was like Oh, this feels like I, I was twigging to the fact right. that there was things being planted here, right? And it paid off in just the the best way. And then with his music, and it's the same with um, Tim Rice and Lloyd Webber, the way that those melodies pay off with double, mm. triple, and That's right. is just so satisfying as an audience. Like don't cry, don't cry for me, Argentina. Argentina, Argentina is a perfect example of that, mm-hmm. where she sings that as like a, a declaration, and yeah. of course, all of it's layered with the fact that she's going to die. Mm. And of course, not giving away my shot, and mm-hmm. um, and you know you're going to blow us away one day, and like all these things, you're like, I think this is going to be coming back. Is that my shot meant to be like one? Um, hang on, I don't even remember now. Who's one shot? Who's what was Eminem's song? One shot. Uh, we got one shot. One right. opportunity. Were they meant to? Um, he referenced Eminem throughout the show. He said that I'm sure that there was lots of connections. Because there. the way that he does the rapping is very, very Eminem. Yeah. And um, I just wondered if that. I'm sure there's an intentionality behind some of it because, mm. yeah, he did weave it in. I feel as though, as I've said before, you know, I will really um, advocate for Madonna as having been right for the role, done a terrific job in the role, honestly, apart from maybe now Lady Gaga. I couldn't think of anybody, and she wasn't around, um, who might have done it better. I don't think Lady Gaga would have been right for the role. But Great, thank you, Jeremy, yeah. <laughs> because you're practically her like right-hand man. So therefore, if you say that, then I shall take that. So the thing with um, Miranda, I think... Um, I admire him. I've never seen In the Heights. I don't know anything. I know that you were in it. I know I need to see it and so on and so forth. But I know nothing. And we will be doing that film. Like, just just promising. (laughs) (laughs) That's happening. (laughs) So, and maybe you can compare it with, like, Hamilton. No. So, so I admire him enormously for being able to write the music and the, the, the book, the lyrics of this musical, all about that. I think his performance was terrific in that regard, his ability to remember all of the lines and everything. But it's interesting to me personally that I do not feel that he has the strongest stage presence. I don't think he has the strongest voice. Um, and, and and therefore he's got a slightly whiny, reedy voice in a way. I mean, I'm just being honest. In the way that I think Madonna has a, a not whiny, but a slightly reedy voice as well. But she has other enormous talents that as a package make her extraordinary, you know. So I don't mean to be bagging on him at all. But I thought, isn't that interesting that he's the the central character. And I wonder whether there's a theatre director somewhere who's going, look, the whole show is fantastic, but basically we need to replace the main guy. Do you know what I mean? I I do. I will agree with you that his singing voice is probably the, he's got the weakest singing voice in the whole show. And even a rapping voice. And I know he is a rapper, but do you know what I mean? It's kind of still I guess so, but I love, I mean, I, I, In the Heights is branded into my brain and he's, I think In the Heights is probably more tailored to his skills because he's effectively a narrator in that show. Right. And he raps the narration the whole time. It was Navi doesn't really sing very much in In the Heights Mm -hmm. and all of the big, beautiful, big ballads and things are all um, given to other characters and not just ballads, just some incredible songs. Um, But I will agree with you. I was thinking, oh, he's not hitting some of these beats in the same way that his co-stars are. Is, do you think that's intentional? I mean, maybe this is a very charitable reading, but it just seems like throughout the entire show, they position Hamilton as an underdog, and everyone around him is more charismatic than he, more, has more power, ha- has more everything, and what he has is his pen and his way with words. Mm. Um, I, I think that's that's a lovely reading. I can be comfortable with that. I don't think it's intentional. Okay. But what I will say is I do think he's got... I mean, Lynn Manuel has and Madonna. They both have massive charisma, mm. and you could put somebody into those roles who have stronger singing voices, mm. who are, you know, you could argue better actors, or quote unquote. I think Lynn Manuel is a great actor, but um, but they wouldn't have that same energy. Mm. And I think he brings Lynn Manuel Miranda brings 
him to that role. It's his show. He, you know what I mean? Like without him, and I would much rather watch that version of Hamilton as the original version, knowing that other people have now taken on the role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that that's the original, and maybe his singing voice is not as on par as the others because it's his show. It's like it's it's no, and it is, and it is, and I and there's no doubting at all that if you go and go right. So I've spent seven I've spent seven years writing this, and I've done the this and that and the other, and I know all the words, and I would like to play the main guy. You're going to have a pretty tough producer going ah no, I think we need Johnny Depp or someone, you know. But no, I don't think that Johnny he, Depp. No, oh. I don't think that he has enormous stage presence or charisma but that said to be quite honest apart from jonathan groff who i can't believe we're like at 44 minutes and haven't discussed Ah. yet i don't think any of them do i think angelica's voice is unbelievable and she therefore does sort of have a bit more presence i found eliza i think she has a, a great voice for the type of Oh my god, we've got to talk about the race aspects of all of this. Well, well let's first talk about um, the, the the fact that this is a film stage production. So yes. it's really hard of to course. judge stage presence from this. What I will say is it's wonderfully filmed. It's, and it's so good. It's so hard to film stage and dance yeah. and all those that things. That is so fair and true. And yes. they filmed it over four days. So they did two live performances and then they did lots of... Without an audience, you know, dolly shots and close ups and yeah. things. Mm-hmm. So the way it's woven. Spittle? Oh, oh, yeah. Was... My, my sister was like, ooh, the whole time. But, but it's it amazing. It. And you would not see that if no. you were in the audience. Like, yeah. that's, that's that was amazing. Yeah. 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 So I just think it's like, I want, I want to see all the musicals like that. Yeah. And, and musical theatre is so elitist because it costs so much to put it on. Yeah. You only really see it, you know, I mean, I'm about to do Mary Poppins. It's going to cost 80 flipping bucks a ticket. Like, it's just. It's so outrageous, and that's you know none of us are getting paid. Um, but it's like just hugely at least. Yeah, and yeah. so I think this is this is opened up to a whole range yeah. of people. And to the race point, like I think it's it's there's a difference between uh, you know white actors playing black characters because it contributes to that history of of blackface and and claiming of other people's stories. But I do think that there's something interesting with the fact that. You know, Lin-Manuel Miranda, he started writing shows because there were no shows for him to do. Mm-hmm. You know, he never got the parts. He never got, you know, because he was... Um, is he Dominican Republic? Uh, he's Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican. Um, and so I think that there's an interesting... Uh, in terms of it highlighting white history in, in the United States, there is an interesting piece to be said about opening up this story in a way that allows people who aren't white to see themselves in, in a story that... I mean, if you're from but America, isn't it interesting it's that it's a white as story? And now we, we haven't got onto the the um, that essay that I um, read, and I I haven't saved the woman's name, which is such a tragedy because she absolutely loves the show, loves musicals, and mm-hmm. wasn't criticizing the show per se, but makes the point that historically it's interesting that it is a story about all white men, mm. not, not just all white men, but all white slave owners. Mm. Yes, and the yeah. fact that actually there is probably um, evidence or at least um, uh, inference to suggest that um, Hamilton, growing up in was it St Kitts and Nevis, he grew mm. up in the in the Caribbean, um, and and therefore his father probably had slaves and all that sort of thing plus there's the um unfoundedness of his probably have having had a a child with a, a freed black slave and that sort of thing but wasn't it jefferson as well jefferson had a, had a, oh, a, yeah. a woman locked in as a slave slave woman yeah. oh, slave woman there's a, a terrible whole, phrase there's a whole a film. woman who he happened had a relationship to be a with yeah. um with one of his slaves and that's yeah. a film with tandy newton in it beloved um right. so um so yes, so there's it's just an interesting thing to go. Hey, I've read a history book about this guy, and this is an interesting story. Well, it, it's very intentional, right? It, it has to be the mm. what, which well, bit the casting, uh, the, the, the casting, like yeah. the, the 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 it's not colorblind casting. It's very it's color ignoring <laughs> color. It's like no, 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 color it, it's subversive subverting casting. casting. Yeah. Um, I I felt like the well, this is what I, I got away from it, which is what the the, sh- the point the show is trying to make or is making, I think, quite well, is that this is a story about the United States of America, mm. right? It's a story yes. that's being told with, with today's face of America, except it's about America as a whole. Yes. Um, so even though, yes, the Founding Fathers were all very, very white, uh, with all the history behind that, um, the, the telling of Hamilton as a show is about... It's more than just that. It's right. about how we came together as a nation and how right. we started That's nice. and what we become, which is 
what the cast which is, is the multi-ethnic multicultural yeah. america of today yeah nice yeah. i love that reading and i and i and i hear what you're saying sarah i think it's still very problematic right but yeah. i i i don't know what the alternative is i don't know that it's problematic i think that the point though that this this um writer made was a little bit why why choose a white story not not it's not appropriate to do a white story if you're not white um you know not 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 anything like that at all but just like why why are we doing white history what about all the other history what about black history that we need to be those stories should be being told that kind because, of thing because uh, i think sarah at the end of the day all this is about is american exceptionalism yeah <laughs> it's true <laughs> americans love being told how great their uh, sorry, that's been very cynical. No, but um, yeah, I think yeah. that's that's actually one of the things I didn't th- why I didn't think I was actually going to enjoy Hamilton is yeah. because of that. I'm not really interested in American politics and a flag and raising, sort you know. Of thing. And yeah, I yeah. don't believe you know we I don't believe Americans America is by in, by any means in the greatest countries of the world. Um, it's not even in the top ten. And, um, and I think that I just wasn't interested in that. Whereas in the Heights for me, which is about family, it's about gentrification, it's about finding home. Where's where it set? It's set in Washington Heights. Oh yeah, okay. And it's in, about, in America. Though. In America, yeah, yeah. but it's it's that story I think is far more translatable. Of At least I assumed. But then the themes of Hamilton about legacy and yeah. and who will tell your story and what will you stand for. I mean, that just hit me in places I didn't sure. know were needing to be yeah, yeah. pressed on. So and, I mean, all that being said, uh, as we were talking, Sarah, uh, the wiki wormhole I went down was all about the founding fathers. Like, mm. oh my gosh, ha- Hamilton had eight kids. And, and mm. like, oh, his descendants today, uh, da, 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 and all that stuff. How many John Adamses were there? He had two uh, Phillips, because his Philip yeah. was died, and then and they Philip had the another second. Philip the next year, and so he yeah. was like, little Philip. Far out. Not, like, um, no pressure to live up like to that. It's like, two years, kid, two years, kid, two years, kid. Wow. The wiki wormhole I fell down was around race with regard to Evita, mm. um, which, I mean, apart from her wearing dark brown contact lenses. And teeth. Covering up her, which I only realised last night. I, really? did, I noticed that the well, gap wasn't there. She didn't but have I, the gap, and the gap comes back after that film. Ah, so. Right. Okay. So like they just move them the, out and move them no, back again. No, you know what? The child who plays her at the funeral at the very beginning does have a bit of a gap. And then ah, I was looking true. for the gap later, and then there wasn't oh. one. But anyway, oh, okay. what I had not remembered is that Jonathan Price is not only a wonderful actor um, and a wonderful um, musicals performer, but I'd forgotten about his being in Ms. Saigon yeah. back in the day. And so it was kind of hilarious and galling to read that when Ms. Saigon, the musical, first came out in Britain, he was wearing prosthetics around his eyes to play a, a half Vietnamese, half French character. And a whole and, lot of spray tan. And a whole lot of spray it? tan. And, the, and the, the West End went, oh, yep. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then yeah. when it went to Broadway, that um, America went, wait a second, you know, this is yeah, awkward. Um, I, was, I always found him playing that role strange anyway. I was like, ooh, this is really icky. <clears throat> and then we're going back and looking at the footage of him with his prosthetic eyes. I was like, ugh, because I always <laughs> really liked Miss Saigon, but then it's... And I haven't revisited it recently enough to get back into Miss Saigon, but I'm sure that there's a lot about Miss Saigon that's deeply problematic as well, you know, mm. story-wise and all that. But anyway, I mean, it's a musical about Vietnam written by Frenchmen. So. Right, <laughs> right. And it's a really awesome musical about Vietnam written by Frenchmen. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to see if they could ever. They, I don't. I don't know if you could ever really make that into a film. Now it's you know, but possibly. I mean, could they, they other things. I suppose, yeah, they just have to be, they'd have to change it up and, yeah. and have some commentary. I do love, I do love in Miss Saigon the, you know, the fact that the, the Vietnam War marks the end of the American dream and <laughs> it ends with that massive song, American Dream. Yeah. It, it just, this, the, again, to come back to the cynicism of it or the irony, perhaps irony is a nicer way to frame it. It's, it's a great ending. I hadn't thought about Hamilton quite being quite so pro 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 america although obviously it is but then when i when i think about jonathan groff playing king george <laughs> and how utterly delightfully awful the character is and how i mean it's so interesting the way they make him say yes. his words to be very like the queen very flat you know? <laughs> i love his back that's yeah. right you'll be back back, back. that's right <laughs> And he's so, you know, with his spittle and his sort of flouncing about and all that sort of thing. And he's wonderfully, hilariously, camply, brilliantly 
hilarious, but there's absolutely no love for Britain there mm-hmm. at all, is there? And a lot it's of in, love for France. Which in the, yeah. 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 Lafayette. Yeah. Lafayette um, was great. Yeah. I love David Diggs, and I, I liked him mostly in this because I've been watching him in the Snowpiercer, Snowpiercer. Um, TV series, which I am amazed that I love. And we, listeners, we did do an episode on Snowpiercer the movie mm. some time ago, which you need to check out. Um, but um, David in that was wonderful. And then I watched Hamilton and went, oh! There's my man David Diggs with a French <laughs> accent, which I thought was super fun. So yeah. Can we just um f- finish off uh, before we end by talking about Evita again? Um, yes. I-, I think there's just some things that really, really work for me in that movie. Um, I love how Alan Parker, the director, really focuses on the extras. Um, and I-, I completely forgotten about this. The last time I saw Evita was probably, gosh, in two thousand four, five. Yeah. Actually, no, that, that was, because um, it came back to Orkins in 2006. Oh, you mean the actual you well, the the show, musical? I went to the show and then I, I revisited the movie again. Sure. Um, but there's, there's so much of that film that's informed by the faces mm. of the people. And for, for a story whose protagonist is all about, quote-unquote, the people, mm. and to have all these real Argentine extras and the looks on their faces, like it's... It really gives the film just this this, this very different sensibility. Mm. Like it's it's based on something that's real, and, it, and they look real. They, right. they look absolutely real mm. um, because they were. Yes, yes, <laughs> no, yes but they will live have lived experience the, exactly, mm. exactly. Um, which is like wonderful stuff. And I mean, yeah, some people complain that the movie, the staging, is a little staid, especially compared to you know the staging of the actual show, which is very dynamic. But I feel like the the focus on the faces of the extras really brings it to another level that the musical cannot match. Mm. Um, Because the musical, I mean, is it's a stage production. You know, it's 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 a very different beast from the the film adaptation. And I think Alan Parker overall did a really good job. Mm. Mm. I think so. Interesting. Oliver Stone was attached to it because Mm. to me, Oliver Stone's the director of JFK, the conspiracy film that I love and will, you know. I think of him as, um, is it Platoon? Did he do Platoon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So he's quite a different sort of guy. And you think, really? Evita? Yeah. (laughs) No, but I agree with you. And I think the, um, it's the same with Hamilton with that ensemble and how the ensemble has such a massive energy in that show. And, yeah, it's great when, when you see texts that are able to... I keep saying texts because it's like sort of the film and the show <laughs> thing. Yeah. That are able to both highlight its, its leads, but also it's, it's wonderfully complemented by its, by its supporting, supporting yeah. kind of extras or ensemble. Because Antonio Banderas is also so good. Mm. So good. Um, if I were in a show, I would want to play Che. I think mm. that's, that's my dream. That or Judas from uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your film-loving friends. You can listen to Cinema in Context through SoundCloud or Spotify, through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, and any great podcasting platforms. You can follow us on Facebook or subscribe to us on Twitter, YouTube. Um, Does this make us sound needy? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's enough. Which are also great places to let us know what you think of this episode or give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time. And until then, Kakite Ano!